Hello there, my name's Neil David and I'm the host of Eurograps Express, the podcast exclusively dedicated to the wrestling of Europe. If it's wrestling and it happens in Europe and it's good, we talk about it. Whether it's RevPro, Progress, WXW, Passion Pro, Pro Wrestling Chaos, Pro Wrestling North, we don't care, we talk about them all. If it's good and it's exciting, I want to share it with you. We're on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Check us out on the feed. Check us out on Twitter at Eurograps EXP. And join us for chat about European wrestling and a little bit of chat about cheese. Hopefully see you there. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Welcome back to the good, the bad, and the hungy here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Tyler Fornis, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Fred Moreland. Fred, let's talk about our pets, because apparently that's really what the people like from our show. Uh, who can blame them? I don't know why they'd pick why they would pick us over the pets. Uh, you want to go first with Odie? Odie News? Yeah, Odie is now nine months old. He's a beautiful, beautiful boy. Um a little overweight because he is like his dad and he loves food and loves to be on the couch. So we're going to spend a lot of time outside this summer to kind of correct that. But otherwise, he's a very healthy boy. He has had a long day today, so he's already curled up and he's going to he's gonna enjoy sleeping next to me. But he's still weary of thunder. He doesn't understand it yet. So last night was a challenge. Yeah, our cat just hates thunder too. So uh, that's a fun experience too. Uh but we got her through her fourth dose of chemotherapy this week. And uh, unlike the previous three times, we figured out that uh, she needed to be drugged up on gabapentin on the way up so she wouldn't freak out and meow the entire time and uh, cover herself in her own drool. But now she's doing fine. Um, she is still drugged and playing with her food, but I think that is starting to clear up. So it's been an interesting uh, animal week, it sounds like, for the two of us. Yeah, it was an interesting animal week. And you know who? Uh, what other animal it was interesting for here, Fred? What animal? CM Punk, Cookie Monster. Um, listen, like we're only going to touch on this briefly because let's be honest, we've talked about this ad nauseum. Um, more Punk stuff. Um, Meltzer, Dave Meltzer, uh, reported that before the Instagram post that Punk made, he and Tony Khan were working on reconciliation. After the events of the last week and a half, you got to wonder if that reconciliation might be kaput. Yeah, especially with them throwing uh, TK and AEW under the bus, uh, claiming that they try to force him to work hurt. Um, that's not exactly a great look. Um, and I don't think it's necessarily true, but I get, you know, I don't know. I feel like it comes down to uh, was he cleared? Did he feel cleared kind of situation? Um, yeah, what a mess. Um, and every time this stuff rises up, I think it's just clear and clear that Punk is probably not worth it for AEW. I think he's just that special kind of aggravating that uh, can really wreck a company. And uh, whatever comes up, it, that's what it does. And agitates, it seems like, 
the entire top half of the card. And uh, that's not good. You can't have CM Punk come back on that big contract and then have to feed him with, uh, I don't know, uh, the varsity athletes, you know, because everyone else doesn't want anything to do with him. Yeah. And you know what? I don't blame him. Um, at a certain point, it like, if you want to relate it to the sports world, um, Antonio Brown, um, arguably the best wide receiver of the last 12 years. Like, I don't know if there's any singular player that you would put above him. He was incredible in so many different ways. Uh, and he was a smaller guy, but he just won consistently. He would beat double and triple teams. And he was just an incredible football player. Well, we all know why he's not in the NFL right now. He quote unquote went crazy. Um, and I, I don't use that term lightly because mental health is a very, very, for lack of a better term, touchy subject. And it's something that I like to respect, but the actions that he showed showed something where he has issues that need to be corrected. And like basically taking off everything from the waist up and dancing in the end zone during a football game on the way to the locker room. And that ended up leading to his release by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like it, it kind of feels like the same thing. Like, I think there's a real argument to be made. And I know um, voice of wrestling zone, Adam Berger um, ended up writing a column about CM Punk's case for the wrestling observer hall of fame. If you were to have continued on this track without issues, because for a while there were no issues. You're talking you know, about a guy who should be in the hall of fame. And yeah. That may never be the case because he kept getting in his own way in a similar but dissimilar way to Antonio Brown in the NFL. Yeah. Um, and I think that this, you know, I, I don't know if it's really comes down to CM Punk just being CM Punk or CM Punk not really respecting AEW because that's kind of a common thing with a couple other people on the roster that aren't happy to be there. Uh, but it just seems like it's. Anytime it comes up, it just leads into this big snowball drama that really agitates every other top star there. And that's not great. You know, I think the company, they would benefit from having CM Punk around, but I also think the company is doing all right right now. Again, not at their high when Punk returned and that really boosted them, but they're okay. They're in a decent position. They just got another, you know, they're up to four TV shows now. Uh, reportedly with a you know a third in-ring one coming uh, on Saturdays in a few months. I mean, I don't know what else to look at with them and to say that they're not achieving a level of success that uh, is good, you know? Yeah, I mean, like Warner Brothers Discovery doesn't like them at all. So, like, yeah, we can mud. just completely... They are completely in the mud. Um, I'm going to be very intrigued, and we will talk about this as more information comes out. Um, but we know WWE is currently meeting with uh, investors and they, Nick Khan talked about in their media call that they are going to be talking to um, networks about their next TV deal, but they're going to give preference to um, Fox and NBC universal because they currently have the properties. Um, let's uh, let's answer a question from the discord and don't forget if you want to ask us a question, we are going to be more than happy to answer it. And you can do so in a myriad of ways. You can DM myself at the Real Forno on Twitter. You can DM Fred at Flagrant Wrestling. That is with an R, not a W. Um, and you can DM the show at Hungy, or, sorry, Good Bad Hungy, 
or email the show at hungypod at gmail.com. We also have a channel in the Voice of Wrestling Discord. And that is where this question comes from, Brad, and it is from JMS. Um, and this is coming from a place where we are assuming we are gearing up for a blood and guts anarchy in the arena match between the Blackpool Combat Club and the Elite, especially with the events this past week. Um, how will the teams round out, especially considering Matt Jackson is injured? I have two theories on this, and then I, I'm going to ask for your opinion, Fred. I think Matt Jackson will be back. I don't know if Adam Page will be in this match. I I have doubts um, just because of all the stuff with uh, Don Callis. But let's assume Adam Page is in and Matt Jackson's out for this. Um, I think it'll be Kanosuke Takeshita because of the connection with Don Callis. And I think they're going to end up building to Takeshita versus Kenny Omega at, on a pay-per-view level uh, spectrum. It's an interesting question. I, I do think Matt Jackson is aiming to be back for this match whenever he's ready, uh, which is why he's skipping surgery. Um, you know, assuming – what was it last time? Was it five on five, if I recall correctly? Um, um anarchy in the arena was five on five every blood and guts has been five on five but as we've seen with war games it does not have to be it can be four on four yeah they could drop down to four on four easily and i think that probably would be the best thing for them to do given uh the bcc membership i mean there's a possibility they could add someone um i don't really foresee that because it feels like that the group is set at this point in time with the return of danielson um but you know, that's on the table. But I do think it would end up being uh, in a four-on-four situation. It would be just the Blackpool Combat Club against uh, the Elite and Adam Page. Um, I think that's the most obvious route to go. I think that the stuff with uh, Moxley and Don Callis this past Wednesday was uh, to set up an uneasy alliance between Page and Don Callis slash Kenny Omega. Yeah, that... We'll get into that as the show progresses because there is going to be a, a lot of intriguing elements to what this dynamite brought us. And we finally got a resolution with um, Brian Danielson. Thank the Lord. I've been really annoyed that that's been kind of murky for so long, but it really worked out. Um, let, let's continue on. We already talked about the partial biceps here for Matt Jackson. He suffered that in that uh three-way trios match in Winnipeg on the 15th. He has opted not to have surgery. Off the top of my head, if it heals, it's anywhere between 6 and 12 weeks, depending on the severity of the tear. So um, that will be very interesting um, to see how that progresses. Um, But we don't have to touch too much on that. Here's something interesting. On the ROH media call, Tony Khan has promised a huge announcement on the April 5th Dynamite. What in the world does that mean, Fred? We have dealt with so many major announcements. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I have no idea on this one. Um, I would assume it's something business-related. Um, you know, I, it's not Forbidden Door because that's already been announced. Um, and I don't know that it's going to be another pay-per-view because the one that's coming up is announced. Um, perhaps it's some kind of tournament or, you know, some kind of, like, crown the next title contender situation maybe with the four pillars or something but i don't know i'm kind of uh kind of curious what it's going to be but i don't have a good speculation uh good piece of speculation to go with here yeah i have no idea i 
they just have this tendency to hype up a big announcement and then ends up being disappointing. I just hope that they don't do that again because I, it's been it's been a an interesting dynamic with uh, AEW and announcements. Um, but here's one: Do you think Don Callis um, got cut the hard way, or did he just have like an incredible blade job? Or did he, uh, I don't know, it could be a little column A, column B. So, yeah, he had that segment with uh, Adam Page at the Blackpool Combat Club where Moxley hit him and he went to the ground. And I haven't gone back to watch it, so I can't comment on if he actually... The, the story Callis has told people, apparently, is that he hit a uh, a piece of uh, lighting equipment on the way down and that gashed his head open to the bone. And he had to get, like, 14 stitches, I think it was, mm-hmm. um, to close the wound. Uh, you know, or did he just blade? <laughs> you know, that's the question with him because Don Callis is a worker's worker. Um, he, I don't know. I mean, I don't know that it necessarily matters in the end. Uh, again, I have not gone back to watch the segment to see if he was close to the equipment that he claims hit him. Uh, but either way, he was bleeding a good bit on the, um, on the segment and if he uh was able to on the fly like realize oh i'm bleeding i better get this in the shot i mean what a professional he is yeah look don Callis, uh the ultimate worker and he has and he i thought he did a great job here uh at least trying to explain what happened because he did say afterwards oh i got hit i got cut uh homie you did good. Well done. Um, Got to play it up, man. Got to play it up. Uh, do you think he and uh, Jeff Jarrett hang out, or do you think that it's like matter and antimatter? Like if they touch, it just explodes. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, does Jared have a good relationship with Lance Storm? Because I think that'll answer your question. I don't know that he has a bad relationship. I've never really heard of issues between the two. Yeah. Do you think... Do you think uh, well, I was trying to figure out a way to play into like Lance Storm occasionally just tweeting like, "Oh, I never heard of him." R.I.P. <laughs> about random people, um, but I don't know. Lance Storm's Twitter is uh, is very entertaining in a certain way. Yeah, uh, Lance Storm. Oh, Lance Storm. Um, let's continue on. We saw this on All Access, and I believe that's where you pulled this from. Britt Baker is dealing with a back injury. Yes, and. It's getting worse, and, and it has spread to her neck. Um, she said that in her interview elsewhere, I think, after or possibly building up to the debut of All Access. Yeah. I will say this. That sounds like a pinch nerve to me. That sounds like compressed discs, something along those lines. I would prefer a pinch nerve to other possibilities, like if it's a spinal stenosis. Uh, that That's, I think, to me, uh, kind of a worst-case scenario. Um and hopefully that's not. It was an interview with uh, comicbook.com. So, okay. Yeah, um that's interesting. Um that is going to be something to keep an eye out for. I I wonder if they may write her off for a little while so she can deal with that injury after um maybe the split finally happens with her and Jamie Hader, which I don't know what will happen there because there it's obviously the outcast storyline is the big um element right now in the women's division. Uh, but I will say this. It's almost better to take care of it early than it is late. And we know how wrestlers don't want to leave TV. Oh, yeah. So it, it that'll be a very intriguing watch over the course of the next few weeks. Um, 
or months or years. But let's move on to some WWE because it links back to NXT. Shawn Michaels said on the WWE media call that William Regal has largely been working with the main roster, but Tony Khan had let Regal leave to work in NXT so he could be closer to his son. Um, Will Washington of Fightful and the Grab City podcast asked Tony Khan about it, said he wasn't at WWE to comment, but said, that's interesting. What do you take hmm. from that? Uh, I think he uh, he's questioning if he got worked by Regal at all um, when he came to release William Regal to let him go work back for go back to work for WWE so he could work under uh, Paul Levesque. Um I think that you know I, I just think trusting WWE to have a long term plan of this guy is going to work here forever or at least like six months, which for WWE is forever, uh, is not inherently trustworthy, you know? Um, I guess he did get, you know, the agreement that Regal would not be on TV for a certain amount of time, I think a year maybe. Um, that's but- that's a little different, though, because that's, that's binding. Like, mm-hmm. that's contractual. Yeah. That's something Tony Khan can control. Yeah, and he can't, like, dictate to WWE. I'm sure you must use William Regal at NXT rather than at Stamford or on the road with the main roster or anything. Um, I don't know. I feel like he probably uh, got God a little bit there. Um, you know, he got, you know, Regal played up the, oh, I'd like to be around my son, my large adult son working in Orlando. Please allow me to see my my young adult son. And, uh, and Tony Khan... You know, gave him the green light to do that, and now it's like, well, I'm I'm gone. Peace out. <laughs> I gotta go get smokes. Um, I don't know. I mean, there. I don't think there's really anything Tony Khan could have done about that in any situation. I think he just wanted to make a guy he respected happy. And uh, honestly, I think that he shouldn't focus on the is he actually doing what he said part of things. He just focus on like I try to do the right thing. And that's what that's the at least that's how I would approach it. But that's just me. Yeah, that's what can you do at this point? Nothing. But the only thing it can change is how Tony Khan might handle these situations moving forward. And, you know, you would have uh, Regal sticking around being unhappy, I guess, is a possibility. And we've seen how that's caused issues with other people. I don't think Regal would cause those kind of issues, but, you know, lingering resentment and everything adds up, too. Absolutely. Um, Let's transition back to the Tony Khan universe. Um, Mark Briscoe will not be forming another tag team per the Ring of Honor media call. Um, He did say that he wants to do singles, but he will do trios. And Mm -hmm. I think that is more of a homage to his uh, fallen brother, Jay Briscoe. And where he doesn't want to be disrespectful to what they had, but a trio is not a tag team. So I completely understand where, where he's coming from there. Um, What do you think there? Uh, I, you know, I think it's not much of a surprise. I I can't imagine that it would be normal for him to, after tag teaming with his brother for their entire career, practically um, Mm -hmm. to then just move on to a random team with uh, insert name here. You know, it would just be very bizarre. And uh, I'm not surprised by the request. I, I think it's a perfectly reasonable one. Uh, I, I think you'll still see, like, probably the 
one-off tag team situations depending on the feud he's doing and how it fits into that but in general i mean i think this is pretty expected yeah uh let's let's continue on let's let's talk about miro because we don't nearly get to do that enough um more uh saying no to creative options per dave Meltzer, miro refused to lose in the full gear battle royal that adam page won um because Miro would have lost. Miro would have been in the final two with Adam Page. But uh, again, you're talking about Miro saying no to different creative uh, ideas because they don't have him coming out on top. This is the second or third known occurrence of this. How are... I'm trying to think of how to phrase this, Fred. How are we going to contextualize Miro continuing to say no to creative that books him strong, but doesn't book him over the top. I, you know, I don't, it, I, I don't know what he's expecting creative wise because it certainly doesn't, it, it feels like any chance we had of like Miro in a world title picture. Um, I think the momentum for that is well gone by this point with him having all this time off. I get no part of that was he was going to be on TV on a TV show. And part of it was him turning down creative uh, ideas uh, with him, you know, the, with this and uh, the previous one that had been reported that where he would like, where he'd get to the finals against Ricky Starks in that tournament that started Starks big push against Jericho um, and lose to Starks there. And he turned that down as well. Um, I mean, I don't know that I feel like Miro maybe I, I don't see a clear spot for him on the roster right now. Um, I think he's got a lot of talent and could add to the show. Uh, but I don't see an obvious, like someone needs a dance partner. Let's, we could slide in Miro if he decides to come back kind of situation. Um, so if he's going to, you know, turn down reasonably strong booking for himself just because he's not going over in the end, then I don't see how it doesn't seem like there's a clear path for him to come back to the company. And at this point you kind of wonder if we're going to see Miro again, or if he's just going to quietly be released in a few months or at some point in time or his contract expires, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's very concerning. Um, we know that there have been rumblings of people coming into AEW and really viewing them as an inferior product because, let's be honest, the entire U.S. wrestling scene has been WWE-pilled for the last 20 years. Right. They have been the only realistic major company, and now you have one that is being booked incredibly well on major television and being very successful. Now you can argue the merits of TNA being successful because they were drawing um, for a while, like 2 million viewers on spike TV. We're also talking about a different era and all those elements of TNA being TNA really are what hindered them from ever growing in the first place. But AEW doesn't have those. They have a rough spot every now and then, but you're talking about a company that's been consistent over the course of their four years and it, they're not a minor league promotion. They are major league, but you still have some of that WD mentality. Um, and Miro is one of those guys. So I wonder if you're ever going to have, have any kind of real success with Miro long-term. 
Yeah, and if you're not going to, then you should probably start considering uh, the possibility of a buyout with them, of getting them out of their contracts early in exchange for them giving up some money or something and uh, just getting them off the roster. And if they want to go back to WWE, they can do that. I don't think that either he or Andrade, who I kind of lumped together, is uh, the major malcontents with being in WWE if they feel like that they'll be better off in WWE. Uh, which I think the return of Vince McMahon, who is now a employee again, um, as well as chairman of the board officially, uh, I, if those two want to go back there and uh, trust that uh, he will definitely not take over booking, despite his reported involvement in booking from both Nick Khan and Triple H, uh, I mean, let him. Yeah, I guess at this point, I, I think it's a situation of these two think the grass is greener over there. They think that. Uh, you know, that it, I don't know if they think that Triple H or Vince McMahon will be better to them. Um, I kind of under the impression that at least for uh, Nero, I think he thinks that Triple H would treat him better. But it's a question of how much longer will Triple H truly be in charge of creative if he actually is right now. You know, there's a lot of murkiness there. Um, but if they want to go, I mean, I don't think it'd be any great loss for AEW if they let him go. Yeah. Um, I'm very intrigued to see how Tony Khan handles this. And we, I talked about it kind of with uh, the William Regal thing. What he does early on will set precedent mm-hmm. for the future. So if he shows an element of weakness now, that's only going to hinder him later on when other talents come to be like, well, you did it for him. Right. Um, like, but Andrade has been out for God over half a year at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how long it's been for Miro, but it might be a year at this point. Uh, well, we got to remember that Andrade is shoot hurt too. Right. Uh, with a torn peck, which I mean, would have kept him out for quite a while. Six to nine months. Yeah. I mean, well, but, I we mean, saw Andrade at the, uh, like around all out. So it's not like it, it's not insane to think that he's still out. Like we're, it's, we're not talking that Andrade has been out since all out 2021. Like, yeah, it's and, it's within the normal range of outcomes with a torn pack. Right, right. Um, and Miro has been out since last summer. I mean, you know, it's kind of a situation where maybe you just want to put them on their way. I don't know. Um, yeah, Miro's last match was uh, at All Out 2022. So it's been almost seven months now. Um I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's a situation where you have to get the payroll off the books because the cons can swallow that loss. Um, I don't. Oh think yeah. That, I don't. Uh, I mean, if it's like half a million added together, I think that's not going to really affect them. Um, you don't want to swallow half a million, but swallowing half a million for them is like me paying a hundred bucks to get out of my internet contract so I can go with a new company. Exactly. It's, it's and, and, and look at the NFL. I mean, the NFL, as you know, is built so much on dead salary and. You know, you you pay uh, fee, you know, like a signing bonus uh, when guys mm-hmm. come in, and then you cut them, and like you're just like, well, okay, it's dead money. You're going to get paid anyway. So, well, now hold on, it, that's a little bit different, Fred. So the dead the dead cap, mm-hmm. that's money that's already been paid. You right. just have to pay it on the salary cap, but right. you don't have to give them more money unless you cut them when they have guarantees still remaining. So, yeah, that's how I should have phrased it. I was trying to yeah. go with the easier comparison uh, verbally, but I, I knew I shouldn't have messed up the NFL stuff around uh, draft aficionado Tyler Fornis. 
Yeah. Hey, listen, uh, I am, I am who I am, uh, <laughs> but yeah, you can't get past me. Um, all right. So let's get some quick hitters and then we, we need to get to the show because we yeah. need to prepare for this WrestleMania weekend, baby. Yeah. Super card of honor, baby. Um, Bandito's visa issues were resolved. He's not the first one and probably won't be the last that has had visa issues. Kenny Omega did. Jamie Hayter did. And I think we're going to continue to see a lot of that. And that's not necessarily anybody's fault per se. Um, Mm -hmm. There have been uh, visa issues ever since COVID. Like stuff with government practices is just in a weird spot because they were shut down for so long and there's a backlog. Like when I got married... It took a while for like my wife's name to change and all that stuff. It's, oh, yeah. it's yeah. we're we're just in a weird spot where we're still playing catch up. So give it time. Yep. Yeah, I uh, yeah, it'll work out. Will Osprey was also scheduled for Supercard of Honor before his shoulder injury. Now I'm not going to complain about seeing Daniel Garcia versus Hiroshi Tanahashi, but Daniel Garcia versus Will Osprey sounds pretty damn great. <laughs> Yeah, that would have been pretty amazing. Um, and uh, it's really unfortunate that, uh, I mean, any injury is unfortunate, but Osprey being out is uh, particularly unfortunate given how great he has been over the past 18 months or so in particular. Like just one of the, possibly the high watermark of entering work all time. Um, and I'm not saying that lightly. Like the guy is just on fire right now. Uh, but hopefully he's able to return easily. Uh, hopefully that's not a major uh, shoulder injury he's working or that he's dealing with. And, uh, you know, fingers crossed we get him back soon. Yeah, um, I would love to see Will Ospreay back, especially because uh, Kenny Omega. Um, there's going to be stuff with them all year, and I'm very excited. Um, so the last time we talked about Honor Club, Fred, they were at about 12,000 subscriptions. So maybe we were a little bit wrong about having Honor Club behind a paywall because they're already up to around 15,000. So rough estimates, they're up 3,025%. That is a really nice jump for Ring of Honor uh, in the first batch of TV tapings, which have been semi-well received. There's been some real criticisms that it still feels like an AEW dark show where you're just getting a bunch of matches, but... At this rendition of Ring of Honor is going to be a hell of a lot different than what we see in a year. So the fact that there's this kind of nice early returns is a really good sign. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I would definitely have expected the number to go up big like it has under AW versus what, you know, it's pre AW days. So I don't think this is a huge shock, but I think it's what should have happened. And it's good that it did. I mean, if it hadn't gone up like this, then you would have to spin it like a failure. I mean, because there's no other way to spin it. It would be a failure. But after exposure on AEW television, I think getting up into the, you know, the twelve to 15,000 is a perfectly cromulent number. Um, that's my take. <laughs> yeah, um, I would fully expect their projections to be, hey, if within the first month of TV tapings were up 3,000, um, with a couple more good pay-per-views by the end of the year, I think 20,000 should be realistic. And Possibly. Think- it, it is very intriguing if they're going to keep adding subscriptions, uh, especially because the pay-per-views, uh, unless I wasted money earlier this week are, will not air live on honor club. Yeah. I think uh, it's a, an, 
I don't think it's an exclusive contract. Like BR has the exclusive contract as far as the internet streaming pay-per-view mm-hmm. in the United States of America with all elite wrestling. Obviously Bleacher Report is a Turner product. Um, but I, I will say this. I wonder if you're going to see, hey, if you subscribe to Honor Club, you can get like a $10 discount on the pay-per-view. Almost like, hey, um, you're we're going to give you one month of Honor Club free mm-hmm. and, um, by buying the pay-per-views almost as like an incentive. So they'd get $30. Like let's say all 15,000 people bought Honor Club. They would lose out on a month's worth of subscriptions, but it would be a really cool like touch. Cause I know that they offer discounts to um, former honor club subscribers during the Sinclair days on pay-per-views. I, I want to say it was like half off. Um, yeah. I may be wrong on that. We can ask uh, ROH um, resident expert, Sean Cedar, uh, you know, what those numbers were. And I'm sure he'll end up telling this if, uh, when he listens to the episode, but I, I feel like adding that kind of incentive um to and then if you don't end up outsourcing it if you just put it on honor club and you offer that discount for those people buying it i think that that could be a really nice way to continue to grow subscriptions because hey you're gonna you're basically gonna get four months of honor club free by buying all four pay-per-views and that still makes the company a lot of money yeah yep i uh i agree that's <laughs> that's my hot take on all that <laughs> I'm hey, very you know good what? at podcasting. Yes, you are. <laughs> and um, I've got uh, on, on Bloodsport right now uh, from yesterday afternoon. And I think Kota Ibushi just knocked out Speedball with a Kamigoye. This match has been good. Yeah, I heard that was uh, quite good. I I'm, I'm, haven't got a chance to watch that yet. but I heard uh, saw somebody in the Slack say that Kota Ibushi, look, Ibushi looks a little chunky. Dude's 41 and still looks like he's in great shape. He doesn't have cut abs, but who gives a crap i don't yeah. care abushi looks good and that's really what matters here um let's continue on thunder rosa update from her instagram instagram not glam she is still not medically cleared um mentioned the past 12 months have been extremely difficult and she still works for AWS. she is a part of the spanish announce team now they kind of buried her a little bit on the first all access show and i uh I wonder if she'll come back and how that will end up working. If she does, um, I think that would be a m- huge benefit to the roster because, look, let's just be honest. Thunder Rosa is a very good professional wrestler. There are there are other issues, but mm-hmm. um, very good professional wrestlers. You like seeing that. Yeah, she would definitely add to the promotion, I think. She isn't without like consistent, consistency issues. Uh, but I, you know, still, I would rather have her than not if everything else is uh, copacetic. I think that her, um, you know, her kind of vagueness with the injury really caused a lot of these issues uh, with especially Britt Baker. Um, but I also think that it's being turned into a storyline on this all access show. And I would not be surprised if the end result is that coming off of this, um, that they have. Uh, her either join the outcast or form an uneasy alliance with them or something where she feuds as a heel with Britt Baker. Yeah. Um, I, the outcasting, I think is what's the most intriguing because she, it almost feels like she's been outcasted, even though she's 
kind of an AEW original. She came in a few months after the company started, obviously, um, on loan from the NWA, and then she ended up becoming a full-time roster member. So that would be very interesting. Um, Let's continue with some AEW All Access. It focused on that Thunder Rosa drama. Adam Cole. Did you watch the show? I did. So here's my take on the show. If you are a diehard wrestling fan, it's not for you. If you are somebody who, uh, like, we talk about the myth of the casual fan. But I think that this is for the more casual viewer. Those who are not um, super diehard professional wrestlers. Those who are just, hey, I'm going to flip on Dynamite on Wednesdays. I'm not going to read or listen to anything outside. And then I'll buy a pay-per-view here and there. This is for them. This is... Uh, the show for those people. And I, I I think it's good. I'll probably still watch it, but I, I don't know. It's not built for people like us. It just, we're so immersed in this thing. It's that's not what this is for. This is to continue to widen the fan base. Yes, I, I agree. Um, and I actually do think that maybe having it right after Dynamite might be bad for that because I think most you're not going to have as many people looking for something new to watch uh, at 11 p.m. on Wednesdays compared with other type slots. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think they're definitely hoping that they can have at least uh, some fraction of the total Divas effect that caused some growth in uh, woman viewership for WWE. Um, and I, you know, I think it's, I'm not much of a, I'm really not at all a reality TV person, I should clarify. Uh, but it seemed like a pretty bog standard reality show. Uh, it did not feel like there was as much manufactured drama on it. I think the Ruby Soho, Tay Conti, Broken Nose storyline they're teasing but haven't got to yet is 100% manufactured. But everything else is at least within the realm of reality. Um, I think... It's very funny how the show constantly sidesteps saying exactly what the Young Bucks are uh, excited to be returning from and putting behind them. By dodging that every time is uh, extremely awkward. But I thought that the Adam Cole stuff uh, was at least, you know, sincere-seeming interviews with him. And um, I don't know. I guess we'll see where it goes from here. Yeah, um, I, I'm intrigued. I do like that they're focusing on Sammy Guevara because he he's kind of become like a hated member of this roster, but there's still a lot of talent, and I think humanizing him a little bit is a really good idea. Yes, to, I agree. And especially as we're leading up to this projected Pillars main event of potentially double or nothing. I think it would be best to do it, I don't know, mid-end of April? Um, and then maybe, Hey, maybe jungle boy has the match one and then MJF screws him over. And then we get MJF jungle boy at the pay-per-view, which I think would be a really good spot. One for jungle boys elevation, as we've already continued to see. And two, nobody wants to see a four-way title match at the pay-per-view. Nobody wants that. Um, yeah. And I don't think you need to have Darby Allen and Sammy Guevara in that spot. Um, especially because I think Darby's going to continue doing stuff with sting, as Sting winds down the final year of his career, as he's already said. But we'll we'll see how it goes. Um, but this AW All Access is going to be something you at least want to read a show review on because there's going to be nuggets in there. Um, let's run through this card quick, Fred, for Supercard yeah. of Honor. 
Um, we are recording Friday morning due to um, our uh, the needs of our pets, but we are going to um, talk about the, the card and just kind of our brief overall thoughts. Um, I'll read the card. Uh, we don't know the, the match order yet, but it starts at zero hour starts at seven Eastern. And then the main card starts at eight Eastern. You can purchase it on fight. Um, the, I will say I watched the promo package that ring of honor put on their YouTube channel for Claudio Castagnoli and Eddie Kingston. Tremendous. It was in depth, a lot of stuff from Chikara. I highly recommend everybody go seek it out. Just it's on the ring of honor YouTube channel. Did you get a chance to watch that, Fred? Nope. <laughs> I have not, sadly. I, I saw hey, it. I was like, once, oh, I need to watch I that. Watched, for once, <laughs> I watched something on YouTube that you didn't. This is a monumental day for the podcast. I know. If only we had, like, the, the balloons and the confetti queued up and, you know, the marching Ooh. band coming in, you know. Listen, uh, go watch it. It's only 15 minutes. It's not going to take a lot of your time. You can. You don't have to necessarily watch it. You can have it on the background and listen to it, like, as you're cooking lunch or something like that. Um, but it's it's a really good and it lays out the why. And there I love how wrestling canon is Tony Khan canon because you don't have to do this kind of stuff. It just makes wrestling better when you have more of a story. And I thought it was great. But we are gonna see Eddie Kingston versus Claudio Castagnoli for the Ring of Honor World title, a match that has been 15 plus years in the making. You have a um, prediction we, on that? I think Eddie Kingston wins um, for a couple of reasons. One, uh, I think it, it would be a really good story. Um, I think people will want um, to watch Eddie Kingston as a champion, at least for a little bit. And then uh, you can decide, hey, maybe Kingston's a chase guy and you just want to have him lose the belt. Um, you can do that too. But I think crowning Kingston, especially after transitioning him to Ring of Honor, I think we'll draw a lot of eyeballs because he was an extremely popular AEW wrestler. I, I think that, and I think you want Claudio Castagnoli focused solely on AEW for what this uh, elite Blackpool combat club feud is. So that's my prediction. Um, are you in the same boat? Yeah, that's actually exactly my reasoning too. Um, I think it just makes a lot more sense for Claudio to focus on AEW uh, to try to separate the rosters out a little bit more, just so there's more uniqueness to Ring of Honor. I'm not saying that it has to be 100% separated, but if your world champion is the third guy in an AEW roster or uh, stable, uh, you probably should change that up. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think uh, I think Eddie's probably the biggest star they have over there full time. So, yeah, um, I I would agree. Um, we do have multiple other title matches. Um, every Ring of Honor title is going to be on the line, including the Pierce title, as Wheeler Yuta defends it against Katsuyori Shibata. That match is going to freaking rule. Yeah, I'm excited for that one. I love that Yuta is getting this spot. I, I'm going to be selfish. I wish it was Daniel Garcia. But I really can't be mad that, that it's going to be Yuta versus Shibata. Um, because it's going to be tremendous. And yeah. it's one more step into trying to elevate Wheeler Yuta. Uh, I I have a hot take. I think because of the BCC stuff, Yuta loses as well. And That's intriguing. I, to In my perspective, I think uh, from everything I've seen, I wonder if Shibata is transitioning out of training in the dojo. Um, I, I had heard that that they may be transitioning to some other guys. Um, so I wonder if maybe Shibata wins here 
And I mean, it's a taping. So he can do two days of tapings and then show back up for the pay-per-view and he can do stuff in New Japan. Plus, it would be a, another burden of proof that this relationship is very strong. As mm -hmm. we tr believe it is, we just had Jeff Cobb on AEW television, which we'll talk about. And Shibata with the pure title makes sense. That's a good fit. And there's also, there's been rumors, and of course, I don't know if it's storyline or truth, but that New Japan uh, may not be the happiest with Shibata since he apparently uh, kind of overruled them in the ring with like Zack Sabre and a couple, you know, with regards to just how physical those matches would get. Uh, now again, I, you know, I'm kind of questioning how true that is, but that is the talk that was going on around the time of those matches. Uh, so I'm wondering if like New Japan's like, look, just go do your thing somewhere else for a little bit. Maybe just a little space might uh, be good for everyone there, but yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm very intrigued by that. Uh, the women's match is going to be very interesting. And this is a Joe Lanza. I hate this special. Um, as Athena takes on Yuka Sakazaki. I am very intrigued by the style difference in this match because you have uh, Athena. She is much, she's a very physical, um, well-built wrestler as far as like strength and size. And Yuka Sakazaki is like, I don't like a, like a princess. I think that's her gimmick. Yeah. Um, like she's she's not an idol like Maki Ito, but she's a very slight wrestler, and I think that this is a a very cool style dynamic. I can say that I, I watched a decent bit of Tokyo Joshi Pro for the first time last year, and there were it wasn't a consistent thing with Sakazaki, but there were a couple of her big matches where she worked as a bully, and she, I thought she did very well at that style as far as like mm -hmm. just kind of being the mean heel who will stiff people and if she's going to brawl with Athena and they're just going to lay into each other as Athena likes to do I think this match could really rock I, I'm very excited to see how this ends up playing out because I, I do like Yuka Sakazaki um, Samoa Joe versus Mark Briscoe for the television title This to me this is a toss up because I think the ultimate end goal is for Mark Briscoe to win that Ring of Honor world title and I expect that to probably happen in a final battle which would be the last time that they're like the anniversary of the last time that we had Mark and Jay teaming together on a ring of honor show to me that like, that kind of feels like what the end game is. I don't know how they're going to approach it or if they're even going to go that route because maybe they don't have Mark Briscoe wing the, win the ring of honor world title. Who do you think wins this match? I don't have an idea. <laughs> um, if I had to guess, I would say Samoa Joe, uh, but I don't know. I mean, you could definitely make the argument that Briscoe should win the title because of all the obvious reasons, you know, coming off of his brother's death and there's been a surge in his popularity that he would benefit from the, the championship. Uh, but alternatively, uh, Joe, I think, is slotted in for Ring of Honor. He's arguably, you know, I, I know I just said this about Kingston, but you could argue that he's the biggest star in their group right now in the Ring of Honor area. Uh, at least specifically to that group. Um, and I think that, um, you know, you obviously want to keep him in a featured role, especially if they are going to keep him as part of Ring, Ring of Honor's in-ring uh, roster moving forward. Uh, so I honestly would kind of guess that Samoa Joe keeps it, but I wouldn't be shocked if I'm wrong. 
I think this is uh, one title match is going to be very highly contested. Um, continuing on with the title matches, uh, we have El Hio Del Vikingo defending the AAA Mega Championship against Commander. Um, now, these two and Black Taurus just had a match, I believe, on the Mark Hitchcock Memorial Show. Um, I have not gotten a chance to watch it yet because um, obviously my world is mainly football, but I do. I am watching Bloodsport right now. And uh, gosh, Yuamura just looks like a, a star baby face, but that's another discussion. I think this could be fun. Um, I don't think there's a, a scenario where Vikingo loses, but him and Commander should be a really nice change of pace for what this card looks like and a lot of fun. Yeah, it should be a lot of booze with a couple of Zs at the end. And uh should be some very impressive stuff. Absolutely. And we have the ROH six-band titles um, on uh, to be defended. I believe that is the pre-show match. I, I'm not 100% sure. The Embassy taking on the team of AR Fox, Blake Christian, and Metalik, who you may remember from WWE as Grand Metalik. This could be really good. Yeah, this could be a very fun match because you could have the smaller guys, uh, the baby faces, just get murderized um, by the mm-hmm. hosses, of which Brian Cage is arguably the smallest. So Yeah, and here's the thing with Brian Cage. He's great with smaller wrestlers because he can do smaller wrestler things. And as a base, he's tremendous. Now, yeah. can he deliver a 20-minute great match? No. But you just put him in like 8 to 15-minute spot fest with guys who can do cool shit. And you're going to have four-star matches consistently. Like, I think we give Brian Cage too much crap, and I've said it on the show before. Just let him do cool stuff. Like, Goldberg. Like, they're yeah. different wrestlers, but Goldberg. <laughs> he has five to ten-minute matches. They're ass-kicking. They're fun. They rule, and they're different. Just let Brian Cage do that with these small guys. Yeah, there is, uh, once again, it feels like this happens every six months, but there's speculation that Brian Cage may be leaving AEW slash Ring of Honor in the near near future, uh, per some pretty vague stuff he gave to Fightful. So I guess that's another situation to keep an eye on. Um, I don't know. It feels like that happens almost as often as it happens with FTR. So, yeah, this is that's going to be a very, very interesting one. And then the last title match on the show... We have the Reach for the Sky ladder match with the Kingdom, Matt Taven and Mike Bennett versus Drillistico and Roosh versus the Lucha Brothers, um, Pentagon Jr. and Ray Phoenix versus Aussie Open, Mark Davis and Kyle Fletcher versus Top Flight, Dante and Darius Martin. I think it's going to be one of two teams winning this match. It's either the Kingdom or Aussie Open. I don't think the Lucha Brothers are going to win because that tag team's... um, seen in AEW is pretty dire top flight i i think that they're gonna probably they're gonna be one of the few acts that crosses over a lot and rush and drillistico feels like a really weird team to put the belts on initially um what do you think uh i would agree that i think the kingdom is a good call i think they're a really solid team i don't know that aussie open is going to be around enough to be the champions then again with the ring of honor uh schedule i don't think that it'll be too big a problem so they're an option i just don't think it'll be the other three teams because of their involvement on uh awtv now if they made the call to switch top flight over closer to full time with ring of honor you know, that's a possibility. I They won't be doing that with the Lucha Bros, though. I, mean, I definitely no. don't think that'll happen. 
I really don't think so. Um, and That's I'll it. say this. No, there's two more matches um, oh, that I want to talk about. This poster lied to me. Um, well, we have not talked about Hiroshi Tanahashi. Oh, you skipped one. You betrayed me. Um, well, I was going to the saying. Yeah, I was going through Ugh. the title matches first because I thought it made the most sense to go through the title matches. Um, Badu Tito just submitted Yuya Uemura, which I think that's a little bit of a surprise, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I th- this match got announced this week, and I think it's going to be very good. Yeah. Uh, Tanahashi working with the young guy Garcia. I think it's very notable that Garcia continues to get high-profile matches. And even though he's losing them, he's like, what? 24 it doesn't matter he's a future big time star and he's getting invaluable experience against great wrestlers yeah and uh i mean i think he's poised to be a breakout whenever the timing's right for him i you know i go back to when they teased him turning babyface on jas and then just pulled it back i think if he can get those reactions again that he'll just he can be as high on the card as you want him to be um if you wanted to have him insert himself as the fifth pillar, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, I think that's viable for him. He's he's fantastic. He's great in the ring. He's really improved tremendously in the past year at character work. Um, I think he's one of the top young wrestlers today. And I I don't foresee him beating Tanahashi. Uh, but, you know, if they were able to work that out, you know, I think that could be a big deal for uh, his career, obviously. Mm-hmm. And this got just got announced for zero hour. Willow Nightingale versus Miranda Elise. Cool. Um, I mean, I, I unsurprisingly I expect that to be a Willow Nightingale win uh, in fairly short order. I don't really know anything about Miranda Elise offhand, um, but I like Nightingale, and it should at least be a charismatic performance if it's not a great match. Hmm. All right. Well, that is a super card of honor. Now, let's talk about Dynamite. Um, overall, I thought it was a good, not great show. Um, yeah. Nothing, nothing crazy. Um, let's start off with the opening uh, match. Uh, Jungle Boy Jack Perry defeated Matt Hardy with Ethan Page at ringside. And uh, you had Hook come out to save... Uh, Jungle Boy as uh, Ethan Page is trying to get involved in the match. I thought that was a nice little touch, and we're probably going to get Hook against um, what's-his-name, Ethan Page at some point, which could be good. Um, We'll see. Overall, I thought this was a fine opener. Um, I don't care about Matt Hardy. I don't think I'm ever going to care about him again. Um, It wasn't offensive or anything, but we got to get him out of single matches, especially long ones. we should get rid of him, period. I really, unless he's doing great work with some of these guys in the back on television, I don't think he's doing anything for you anymore. Just the, uh, his, his work here. I I think you could hide him well enough where he can come in hit a few side effects and the tease a twist of fate and do well enough in like a trio situation. But as far as singles work, like he just does not look like he can move comfortably and it's very, it's not great. It's it's concerning. Um, I don't know if the dude needs yoga or just like to hang it up. But uh, I I hope we are. I, I I every time we have a Matt Hardy singles match, I'm like we can't 
keep doing this. Someone else has got to be seeing what I'm seeing, which is just him looking incredibly awkward in the ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that. That's a, honestly that's a really good way to put it. Um, it is what it is. But Jungle Boy gets the win, um, and then MJF's music hits, and they have a nice little promo back and forth where uh, they basically call each other out. And MJF's like, "Well, you could have came with me, but you chose um, the losers and that dinosaur man." And MJF, Cage. yeah. Um, he, uh, Jungle Boy then's like, well, if I followed you, I'd be a piece of shit and I don't want to be that. And then the best line of the whole thing, MJF's like, I talked to your girlfriend, Anna Jay, and she says you're weak between the knees. And then we get some fisticuffs. And I thought this ended up being a nice little segment. Yeah. And, uh, MJF doing the CM Punk John Moxley references there, uh, with the week, week of mind, week of soul. Uh, just a little, little something there as a treat after a week of drama. Um, but yeah, I liked the segment. I thought Perry's promo came off uh, pretty good, and uh, I think he's been improving in that area. So good for him. Oh, he absolutely has been. Um, all right, let's go to the next segment. Um, we had a video package. This was. I'm going to be honest, friend. This yeah. was stupid. Okay. Um, 2.0 taking the acclaim to daddy ass for night on the town in St. Louis, including a St. Louis Blues hockey game and dinner. Oh, yeah, this, trying was, to to, this was trying to get them to join the Jericho Appreciation Society. They ain't freaking joining the JAS. So that we'll get an answer next week, though. Yeah, you did skip uh, Don Callis talking to Kenny Omega about falling down with Adam Page and how he, Don Callis, was going to go be a man and apologize to Adam Page. And, ah. uh, Don Callis is fantastic in this role. I'm loving this whole thing where he's just being an absolute scumbag but trying to babyface himself to Kenny Omega. It's great. I love it. It's probably my favorite little storyline that's going on right now. And uh, the next segment he did uh, where he ended up bleeding everywhere was uh, also great. But Oh, God, that was tremendous. And we'll get to that here. I, I had my, my sheet mixed up after this. This was one, it worked really well and it was awesome. Two, I'm incredibly disappointed by the fact that uh, John Moxley, Claudio Castanoli, and Wheeler Yuta squash Dalton Castle and the boys. I thought this could have been really good. It could and, have been, but I think this fit what they're doing pretty well. So I can't be oh, too no, no, upset. No, no, no. It, it absolutely did. But I want to see that match. And to me, yeah. that's the disappointing part. Um, gets a Ricola bomb on one of the boys for a quick win. The match was like less than two minutes because Blackpool Combat Club jumped from from behind as they were making their entrance. Yeah, and Claudio just outright murdered one of the boys, and it was like a deadlift pickup for a choke breaker. It was absolutely insane. Uh, Claudio is a very strong boy. Yes, he is. Now this is where we get that segment with. Um, sorry, first we get a video package with Kenny Omega and Jeff Cobb. Um, showed their interactions in uh, from New Year's Dash till now. And then we had the infamous backstage segment where Don Callis uh, got busted open hard way. Um, Marvez is backstage with Hangman Page, um, talking about the injuries with Nick and Matt Jackson. And Marvez asked him who attacked him, and Page said it was the, the Blackpool Combat Club. 
Callis enters and apologizes, extends his hands. Then we get a BCC run-in, attacking Paige and Callis. And Callis gets clocked by a forearm and was busted open. My favorite little thing here was that Callis never moved his hand that he had out for the handshake. Like, he never dropped it while Moxley was beating up uh, Paige. And Moxley turns to Callis, and Callis is just like, handshake? <laughs> and and that, that got me a good laugh. But also, I think... You could buy that, like, Callus is such a piece of crap that he would have very happily made a deal of some sort with Blackpool Combat Club in that situation and not be beaten up. But instead, Moxley was like, well, I'm just going to beat you up, too. Yeah, it was really good. And Callus is just a nice little carny. Oh, yeah. um, at this point, we go to commercial break. And then Tony Schiavone goes to Kenny Omega before the next match. And... Uh, tells him that Callus and Hangman Page were attacked by the Blackpool Combat Club. Omega seemed shook and like uh, kind of out of sorts and surprised by this new information. And I think more head. so about more so about Callus than uh, Page. I think I remember uh, him. You know, once he's told by Shivani about it, he goes Callus and doesn't even really react to Page. Yeah, but he was informed of the whole situation. Um, yeah. This is where we get Kenny Omega versus um, Jeff Cobb. And it was really cool. And I wonder if they're going to continue this as long as Kenny is holding this IWGP United States Championship. You get the cleaner music. Oh, was this <laughs> great. I, I, I'm i sitting here. It's almost 11 p.m. because I had to watch the West Coast feed because of what my wife and I were doing. And I'm screaming that they're playing uh, the old cleaner music. I'm like, oh, this is great. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. Um. This was good. Um, Joe Lanza on the Thursday TV reviews had a perfect line about this match. Felt like it was a G1 match, third from the top. Yeah. Like where they're not, they don't, they're not trying to steal the show, but it's just a good match. And that's really what this was. Um, three and a half to four star range. Um, just I do think. Wrestling. Yeah, I thought it was very solid. I thought the closing stretch was great. I think there was a point where Jeff Cobb looked like he may have got lost. And the match stopped for a second. There was like a point where he had Omega doubled over and looked like that Cobb was going to hit the ropes, but then he just kind of took a couple steps forward towards the ropes, stopped, turned around, stood there awkwardly, and then walked into like an Omega knee to the midsection or something. And uh, it very much felt like that Cobb had uh, got lost in where they were on the match at that point. But other than that, and uh, I, I thought this was kind of a weaker performance by Cobb. He just felt off, uh, especially for the first two thirds of the match or so. Uh, but it, with that visibly like getting lost kind of bit, um, wasn't great. But then the closing stretch between the two was very good, as you would expect. Yeah, um, I thought the the feat of strength with the um, kind of selling the the injuries uh, to Kenny's upper body, and yeah. then he ends up lifting Jeff Cobb and walks around the ring with him on his shoulders before delivering the one wing angel is a really nice touch. But the match was honestly a gateway to what was coming next. And that was um, the Blackpool Combat Club coming out to attack Kenny Omega. And then Brian Danielson makes his return mm -hmm. and looks to be saving Kenny, but doesn't save Kenny. And as Kenny looks to fend off one of the other Blackpool Combat Club members, um, Danielson gets ready, hits the psycho knee. And I think this is what's really important and the motivation behind this. He yells at Kenny while Kenny is down. You are what's wrong with professional wrestling. Great segment. 
Great. Guys, heel turn. We have been teasing a Brian Danielson heel turn for months. Um, he's been coming out of the heel tunnel, even though he gets cheered beyond belief. And seeing this, tremendous. Absolutely tremendous. Um, you can't ask for more. Um, now, where does this go? We talked about it with JMS's question earlier about anarchy in the arena or blood and guts. I think blood and guts is probably more likely just due to the timing. Last year's blood and guts was at the end of June. And I think you, as far as making sure that the young bucks are healed and ready to go, that probably makes the most sense. Um, it will be a little annoying to kind of have them feuding without the bucks in the picture because it's going to be a massive um, advantage, disadvantage kind of thing, but whatever, who cares? Um, this is going to be a great summer and you're going to get uh, some of the biggest stars in the American professional wrestling scene feuding against each other long-term. That rocks. Yeah. Yeah. It, it should be uh, a fantastic feud. I'm very excited for it. And uh, this, I don't know the last time I was this up for a feud, but I think this is going to be amazing. Yeah. Um, after that video package of FTR challenging the guns for the AW tag titles were shown. The guns said that they used to see FTR as heroes, but then they met them. And the only hero that they ever had was their father. And everybody saw what they did to him. Um, we're going to have that match next week. And I'm leaning more and more towards FTR leaving the company. I don't think that's going to happen, but I guess we'll see. Uh, I thought this was easily the best thing that the guns have done in their run in AEW so far. I thought this was actually a very good promo. And uh, I've been pretty down on them for quite a while, but I thought they really, uh, I thought they really did a great job here. Um, and uh, I don't know how that match is going to go because I think the guns are still not ready for prime time in the ring, but FTR is very good in the ring. So that could work out or it could be a mess. Who knows? Well, it'll be must-see television regardless. Um, next up, Orange Cassidy defeated the Butcher um, with the blade at ringside to retain the AW International title. Um, God, I love the Butcher. He's <laughs> got great. a great look. Oh, if the Butcher was in the territories, he would have won the NWA title. I, I, I don't see how he wouldn't have. Look at him, he's yeah, a big dude. He's got a tremendous look. He looks like an evil son of a bitch, and the the blade and eh, the blade's fine. He exists. Um, I don't really have anything negative to say about him, but I don't really have anything positive. He's just a guy. Um, he's an all right lower card heel, you know. Yes, I think that's a great way to phrase it. So. You have all these elements um, coming together, and the Blade's got like a crowbar that he ends up hitting Orange Cassidy with. They go back and forth, and then the best friends come out to kick the Blade's ass. They end up hitting the Butcher with, I believe, that same crowbar, and then uh, Orange Punch, Beach Break, and Orange Cassidy retains. Uh, I thought this was a pretty solid match. Three and a half stars is what I gave it. Um, there is one weird thing with the post-match, or I guess the, the ending stretch, really, uh, where the best friends use the crowbar to help Orange Cassidy after all, all the heel cheating. Oddly, uh, Excalibur tried to position this as Orange Cassidy being desperate when it really came across as like just his fr babyface friends evening the odds after a bunch of heel cheating. I didn't get that at all, and I thought that was a rare misstep for Excalibur, who I think is a really good announcer. Yeah. It, it's fine. Um, whatever. If, if, that, if that's a, it's a minor thing. Okay. 
but it's it's a continuity thing, and that's something that uh, he's usually pretty good at. Um, then we had a Jade Cargo video package talking about Taya Valkyrie laying out Layla Gray and Mark Sterling with Jaded breaking Sterling's nose. Um, Valkyrie has a match on Rampage, and Sterling will have his legal processor with him to handle things. I believe that processor is 2D Lint. I think so. And not Tootie Lynn, independent wrestler. Um, that uh, obviously, I think Mark Sterling is an independent wrestler, technically, too, or at least was. That's why he takes all these bumps. Um, yep. you're right, that's uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Um, just I hope this feud ends quickly because Jade Cargill <laughs> is not great in the ring, and Taya Valkyrie is not better. <laughs> um, yeah. Juice Robinson talks about his match with Action Andretti this Friday on Rampage. Um, it says every punch he connects will be um, with a statement for Ricky Starks, as this will be a small takes of what Starks will go through next week on Dynamite. That I'm I'm intrigued to see what uh, Juice and Action Andretti do in the ring together. Yeah, uh, that could be a good match, although I'm very down on recent Dynamites in terms of match quality. Uh, so I guess we'll see, but... Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of am too. It's 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 been a mixed bag. Um, next up, we had Ruby Soho with Soraya and Tony Storm, and she defeated Willow Nightingale. Um, the review from the uh, Wrestling Observer uh, website says, "I understand the story that they are telling with the Outcast, but the interference in this was overkill and completely took away what could have been a great match." This had its moments, and I liked how Nightingale had her former friend's offense scouted, but I was just hoping these two would have had more time battling it out. I get it, but the whole story is... They're cheating. They, yeah. Um, this They're heels is, that cheat, the outsiders are, or the outcasts. I think we're, we may see discourse about this like we saw with House of Torture. You're just going to have to deal with it. It's. I mean, that's their gimmick. I mean, and I thought this was still a pretty good match. I still want three and a half stars on it. Uh, But like Willow versus Ruby isn't the blow off. So they're not going to treat it like the blow off. That's, that's a very fair point. Um, Post-match Soho um, didn't go for the spray paint, but went for the steel chair sky blue and Riho sprinted out to the ring. Um, And then we get Jamie hater coming out when they were about to spray paint Riho and hater looked like a, fucking million bucks. She was going a million um, hours, miles per hour. I will say, um, Tony Storm looked huge compared to Riho. Oh, and yeah. Tony Storm is not a large human being. Yeah. Um, but the size difference was stark, and I'm very intrigued to see the match between Hater and Riho, because Hater is, I mean, she is not a huge woman, but she At is all. she is built very dense uh, for her size, very muscular, and Riho is just so dainty and tiny that that dynamic of styles will be very interesting. And yeah. I'm excited to see it next week. Yeah, me too. Um, quick video package highlights powerhouse recent teams. He titled defenses says that the title's never leaving his waist. Yeah. We'll see about that. Um, <laughs> but he's, I'm guessing he's probably in for a longish title reign. Probably. Uh, all right. Then we have the main event leading into AW all access. Adam Cole. Defeats Daniel Garcia. Honestly, I thought this was a good, not great match. Yeah. Um, a nice little return win. They gave Adam Cole the streamers, and Britt Baker came out, and they kissed, and they embraced, and 
it, it was overall good. And I think they set up the next Cole feud with Chris Jericho. Oh, that was a very nice touch at the end. The Jericho's music hits as they're celebrating. He comes down and takes Garcia out of the ring. Won't even look at Adam Cole. Just looks uh, over his shoulder at him. I th- we're this is going to be very good. I'm excited for it. Um, I hope you're excited for more uh, Chris Jericho's. Because you're going to be getting that too, baby. Hey, you know what? Chris Jericho feud with a top star that could use a little elevation after some time away, along with staying out of the world title picture. Yeah, I'm for it. Let's do it. Yeah. I think it'll be a good feud. I think there's going to be a lot of like people that don't like Chris Jericho or just not great faith people that are going to be like, well, now he's in another high profile feud. And it's like, yeah, he's uh, Jericho is a high profile member of the roster. Like, is he, I, I don't get it, but. They people are just bad faithing to be bad faithers. Um, Sammy Guevara, let's talk about Rampage. The match is announced. Sammy Guevara takes on Konosuke Takeshita. Juice Robinson against Action Andretti. The best friends, Chuck Taylor and Trent Beretta versus Kings of the Black Throne. Two thirds of House of Black, Brody King and Malachi Black. Taya Valkyrie versus Marina Shafir. That is all tonight on AEW Rampage. What is announced for next week's Dynamite 4423. Jamie Hader def- def- yeah, Jamie Hader defends the EW women's title against Riho. Ricky Starks takes on Juice Robinson. Whatever, it will be MJF Day, whatever that means. We'll hear from the Blackpool Combat Club, and FTR put their careers on the line in AEW against the Guns for the tag team titles. Yep. Um, some intriguing stuff on there, some stuff I'm curious to see how it goes. Uh, Tyler, I am going to now quickly recommend to you everything that you should watch watch off of uh, the last rampage. Are you ready? Yes. All right, that's the list. Um, completely inessential episode of TV. Uh, I think I yeah, I gave it a four out of ten. Um, nothing got over three stars for me. There wasn't a great promo. The Ricky Starks Juice Robinson segment was just fine. Um, I can't recommend anything on the show as like particularly strong. Yeah, that's that's rough, man. Um, that's really rough. Yeah, it just is not uh, just not good. Just not good. Yeah, um, it is what it is, but that's whatever. Um, that. Fred, I think that's our. Sh- <laughs> I think that's our show. What a note to end on. Yeah, it's. Uh, yep, uh, I, I love uh, contributing to a podcast and making it good. Uh, yeah, I mean, rampage. Uh, we've talked about rampage a lot before. What's really gotten me over the past few weeks is like it is the exact same format every week, and there's no freshness with it, and it just feels like an obligation as far as booking goes, and it's very frustrating. But another conversation for another time. Yes, absolutely. Well, as we said earlier, you can follow us on Twitter at the Real Forno, and you can follow my work at the Vikings Wire. You can follow Fred on Twitter at Flagrant Wrestling with an R, not a W. You can also subscribe to his Patreon, which is linked in the show notes. You can also subscribe to my new Viking-centric YouTube channel, Vikings First and Skull. That is also in the show notes. 
Um, you can send us an email at hungypod at gmail.com. You can follow the show on Twitter at GoodBadHungy. You can also get in contact with us in the Voice of the Wrestling Discord server. Um, subscribe, rate, and review the show. And if you uh, are listening on the Voice of Wrestling feed, thank you very much. If you liked what you heard, please go subscribe to our feed, The Good, The Bad, and The Hungy, to help us continue to grow the show so we can be one of the best podcasts in the country of Turkey. Uh, from Fred... And the hungry animals, I'm Tyler. Have a great day. Take it easy. Music. It's not just part of our daily lives. It's part of our wrestling fandom as well. And it has been for decades. That's where this show comes in. Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. Hosted by Andrew Rich. Hey, that's me. Each episode delivers a different topic with a variety of great guests, fun conversations, musical analysis, and of course, a heartfelt pun or two. New episodes drop every other Tuesday on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast app of choice. Check out Music of the Mat only on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network.